Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast and the first episode of our second season. I hope you guys had a great summer. I know I sure did. I missed you, though, and I'm really glad to be back. We have a series of fun interviews lined up with homeschooling moms for this fall season, and I've been recording them in little batches this summer, and I think you're just really going to love them. We've got some really great stuff coming up this season. We are back at school. How about you guys? Are you early adopters or late adopters on the school schedule? We never like to wait until too late in the fall because Alabama summers are hot, 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 so we like to to school a little more in the summertime when it's kind of hard to get outside and do anything else, then take a break in the year, in the fall and in the spring when the weather is much nicer outside. So we have started our school year and it's going pretty well. I have a new kindergartner this year, my last new kindergartner, sadly. We have just been having some really good days. Now we like to ramp up into our school year. We do not start our very first day doing everything that we're going to do. That just wears us out too much. So we start with a couple of subjects, and as the week goes on, we add a couple more subjects, and before too long, we're geared up and into the entire year. But, you know, kind of like boiling the frog, we do it a little bit at a time, so nobody gets too hot and jumps out of the pot. On today's episode of the podcast, I get to talk to a very sweet lady named Jimmy Langley. Now, we had a listener request last spring that we talk to someone who is homeschooling an only child. And I knew Jimmy was just the person for that. She actually wrote the book on homeschooling an only child along with Amy Stolt. And they provide support for parents and encouragement for parents who are doing that. Jimmy has homeschooled her daughter, Emma, from the very beginning when Emma first started school and they were living in China. Now Emma is entering into to 11th grade, and so she's just about ready to graduate. And Jimmy's come through this entire journey and has all of this great experience and a lot of encouragement for people who are wondering if it's homeschooling an only child the way to go. And so Jimmy's going to talk to us about some of those things today. We will get started with the podcast right after this word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Simplified Organization. Simplified Organization is an e-course by my good friend, Misty Winkler. And what I love about the course is it does a few things for you. First of all, it gives you the tools you need to help you get organized. Secondly, it gives you tons of great helpful tips. And finally, perhaps the most important part, Misty really addresses your attitude towards organization. I find that my attitude is often the biggest barrier I have to getting myself organized. And that's such a large part of the Simplified Organization course. So Misty has a great freebie for us today. Going into back to school and getting ready to get started with the new school year, or maybe you're finishing up your homeschool planning, you probably have a lot of things jumbled up in your head. I know I do. And so Misty's freebie for us today is called the Brain Dump. So it's a PDF that you get to download for free. It's full of prompts that helps you take the first step towards getting organized, which is getting all of the stuff that is floating around, swimming around, whirling around in your brain 
out of your brain and onto paper so that then you can start doing something with it and think more clearly. So all you have to do is go to simplifiedorganization.com forward slash snapshots. And from there, you'll be able to grab your free brain dump download. Now, if at any time you would like to order anything from Misty's site, she has also offered us a coupon code. The coupon code is snapshots, and you can use that to get 20% off anything that Misty offers. But go get your free brain dump download and check it out. And I think it'll really help you out as you get started with your new school year. And now on with the podcast. Listeners have been wanting to hear from a guest who can talk about homeschooling an only child. And Jimmy Laneley can do just that. From working mom to stay at home mom to work at home mom, Jimmy has done it all. She is the co-owner of iHomeschool Network, which connects brands with homeschoolers. And she writes about homeschooling her teenage daughter, Charlotte Mason Education, great homeschool resources, and much more at her blog, Jimmy's Collage. Hi, Jimmy, and welcome to the program. Hey, Pam. It's great to be with you today. Thanks so much for inviting me. Well, I am happy you are here. Could we start off by you telling me a little bit about your family? Yeah, sure. I'm Jimmy, and that is my real name, by the way, and I do have one daughter. She's 16 now, and I've always homeschooled her, and I used to be a public school teacher. I did that for about seven or eight years before I stopped working, and we moved abroad, and it was when we were living abroad in China when my daughter reached the age of kindergarten that we had to make a choice about her education. We could have put her in a private school, but the costs were really exorbitant, and I felt that I could do a much better job myself just teaching her at home at a fraction of the cost. So that was the option that we chose. We decided to homeschool, and it was just so much fun. I loved the homeschool lifestyle. It fit us really well because we were doing a lot of traveling, and it gave us the opportunity to really make life our classroom make the world our classroom, and we learned in all kinds of situations and actually in several countries. And then when we moved back to America about four years ago, we had to make a choice. What were we going to do for education from here on out? And we decided to go ahead and stick with homeschooling and see it through to the end. So I have two more years left. My daughter will be a junior this fall, and I've homeschooled her all the way through, and I don't regret it for one minute. It's just been a fantastic journey. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Well, it's interesting how, you know, you were kind of put in a position where you had to make that decision and it ended up being something that you absolutely loved. Right. Because when we came back to America, many people asked, well, will you put your daughter in school now? And it definitely was something I considered. I really weighed the options and I talked with her about it. But uh, as she said, you know, she was pretty much ruined for public school (laughs) because she was so used to the freedom and the flexibility that home allows. And you, you know, as well as I do, once you get used to that, it is really hard to go back. So besides she had um, taken up several interests, things like foreign language and art, that I felt that a public school or even a private school really couldn't teach her to the degree, to the depth that she wanted to study. So we hire tutors and, you know, she does independent study and she can really craft her curriculum to meet her own personal interests and passions. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm going to start you off by asking a multiple choice question. Are you ready? All right. Yes. All right. Your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? Would it be A, Persuasion, B, Plato's Dialogues, 
C, War of the Worlds, or D, Shakespeare's Comedy of Errors? I guess I would go for Comedy of Errors. <laughs> you know, at this point, I don't really do a whole lot, to be honest with you, Pam. I drive my daughter to her co-op classes, and soon I won't even be doing that. I should be driving herself. I pay for curriculum. I order it. I, You know, it comes and gets shipped to our house. I consult with her every now and then. She tells me when we're out of printer ink. You know, she <laughs> does it all on her own. I don't really do a whole lot at this stage. So I say comedy of errors because it's rather humorous that I'm asking her, where are you in your math? curriculum and what are you doing in history so you know I'm actually asking her and I think that's great I think it's good that she's really independent at this age I think it's how it should be yeah I think so too I think you've probably spent many years laying the framework to be able to get to this point but that is awesome oh, yeah. that you kind of lead direct and mentor and she really you know takes it with both hands and runs with it so that's fabulous yeah well, Jimmy, what is the best piece of homeschooling advice that you received as a new homeschooling mom? I think it would be something like, and I don't know that people use these words, but I think the message was trust the process. Don't stress and don't worry because it will work out. I think that the moms that tend to be more type A, kind of driven and very task oriented, and I definitely fall into that category. We ask ourselves, are we doing enough? Are we doing enough? And you have to constantly remind yourself that this process of homeschooling does work. It will work. And just to trust the process, do what you know to do, and don't stress about the gaps in learning and will my child be able to keep up with other kids? Because nine times out of 10, yes, they're going to be fine. In fact, they're going to be ahead of other kids in many, many of the most important areas. And so just to relax, enjoy the ride, and not stress. I love that. Trust the process and do what you know to do. And if you do that, then everything else is going to fall in place. I really love that. Yes. And I'm reminding myself of that as we enter these last two years, because I definitely have that anxiety rear up and think, okay, now is where the, you know, the rubber meets the road, the ACT is coming up and college admissions. And, you know, is it going to pan out? Is everything going to be okay? And I do have those thoughts. I still have them. And I have to remind myself, trust the process. It's okay. And also, I think my experience as a public school teacher reminds me that there were plenty of kids that really struggled through school, and they made it into college. And those people, most of them are, you know, fine, upstanding citizens with good jobs, and there's nothing wrong with them. So I know my daughter is going to be fine. Right. And it really is a long-term thing. I think sometimes we get so narrowly focused on the bad day that we're having that we forget that it's just a big, you know, years long process. And that following through and just putting one foot in front of the other is going to get us to where we need to go. Well, that question brought another question to mind. So you were a new homeschooling mom in China. What kind of support did you have there for homeschooling? Were there a lot of expatriates? Were there a lot of homeschoolers? Where did you go for homeschooling support in those very early days? I really had no homeschool support, to be honest. We lived in different places through the years. One time we did live in a city with a lot of expats and I, and there actually was a homeschool group and I found it very cliquish. I did not fit in at all. And I stopped going because it was a terrible experience. There was another city we lived in where I did have a little group of more like-minded homeschool moms and we had fun and the kids sometimes learned together. I think it was maybe once a week. And so I've had positive and negative experiences with that. 
didn't have a lot of support, but that's when I turned to blogging. That actually was my first support was online. I think a lot of moms turn to the internet for that because especially if they live in more rural areas where there's not a homeschool group, they find that support online. And that's what I did. And that's how I started blogging. Yeah, I think the internet has done probably a lot of bad, but also a lot of good for homeschoolers. I know that, you know, I have a pretty strong support group here locally, but that doesn't replace my online support group either. I think a lot of people find help there. What's your favorite subject to teach, Jimmy? I like art and I like history and I like geography. Which ones do you not like to teach? We are not math people in this home. And I I only now can finally admit that now that my daughter is old enough to know that she has to do math anyway. I tried to hide that for years from my daughter that I don't like math, but she finally figured it out because she doesn't either. So yeah, math is a struggle for us. And you were probably pretty happy to get to outsource that one. I'm very happy. I love teaching textbooks. And yes, she's going to be taking Algebra 2 with a, in a co-op setting next year. That's great. What book do you think is a must-read? I encourage every homeschool mom, actually every parent, to read the book Last Child in the Woods by Richard Louv, L-O-U-V. I was on a trip from a homeschool convention recently, and I saw a woman across the aisle reading this book, and I called out to her and I said, that's a great book. And she said, yes, it's really good. It's really about nature deficit disorder. This author, Richard Louv, uh, coined that phrase. He says that people in general, and especially children, are not getting time in nature and they have nature deficit disorder. And the book is extremely enlightening about the benefits of being in nature and having outdoor free time, unsupervised, just letting kids play outside in even rather wild areas. But even if it's just a playground, you know, that's okay too. After you read that book, you will definitely make a concerted effort to give your child more free playtime outdoors. Hmm. I don't think I've ever read that one. Oh, I love it. It's so good. You know, kids that spend more time in nature are more resilient emotionally. They're more creative and they have better thinking skills. It is amazing how nature heals us from emotional turmoil and how it provides us long-term benefits. As a child, I spent a lot of times out of doors and playing in nature in the woods and climbing trees, and I totally understood what the author was getting at. And it hurts me that so many children live in suburbs and cities where they don't have that opportunity. But there are things you can do. You know, you can go to parks. And you can camp and you can, you know, find those like short bursts of intensive nature time versus maybe, you know, every day just going in your backyard like when I grew up in the rural south. Right. So what are some things that you guys like to do together outdoors? At this point, you know, Emma being older, I don't push it anymore. You know, that's her option. But I definitely took her to a lot of parks and we did nature walks. Even when we lived in cities, we would do that. Just being aware, being observant, trying to show kids, you know, animals and bugs. My daughter's not afraid of bugs. One of the things we've been recently fascinated just in our own backyard is baby praying mantises. It seems to be the time that they hatch. And there are many of them in our backyard. And every time she finds one, she stops and takes a million pictures. And it makes me (laughs) smile because I think that's because of all the time I invested in encouraging her to study nature and enjoy nature. 
Right. If you have a bad homeschooling day, what is your backup plan? So I'll have to think back, you know, several years. And we definitely went through a stage where math brought tears. And sometimes there would be bad attitudes. And during those days, some of the things I would do, I'd use a lot of humor. You know, I would say, you know, it's, it's not going to kill you. And she'd say, yes, it's killing me. And then I would just get real extravagant and say, oh, no, my daughter's going to die of homeschool today. Let me call the funeral home and make arrangements, you know, and just be really silly and lighten the mood a bit. When tears would come, we'd stop, immediately stop. You cannot learn when you're crying. There is no way. So you just put it up. And even when I would be frustrated or say, okay, let's stop and do something else. If it's maybe go outside, take the trash out, you know, anything, just break up what you're doing and come back to it later when there are no more tears and the emotions have dissolved. We learned to play a lot of games, especially for math. When math got really tough, I started pulling out cards and dice and manipulatives and homemade fraction cards and all these things. And suddenly it became fun and there weren't tears. It was the same thing the same math, but it wasn't numbers on a piece of paper in a workbook. It was these little things we could play with. And it totally revolutionized her attitude toward math, made it bearable, and there were no more tears. And so it was a lot more effort, a lot more time, but it was so worth it. So I think when, when you have a bad day, it's okay to kind of call it quits for an hour, two hours, maybe the whole day, depending on how big the meltdown was. And just pick up where you left off later when attitudes are better. Yeah, that's great advice. And I love that. You can't learn when you're crying. That's <laughs> no, something really good. It should be a meme. <laughs> it should. And, or print it out and put on somebody's wall like mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, who is your homeschool hero? The first person that came to mind is Deborah Bell. I really enjoy hearing her speak at conferences. She's very down to earth, very smart. I really like her book. She has a book about homeschooling, Ultimate Guide to Homeschooling Teens. It's a great book. And she has a wonderful story she tells about her daughter who wasn't good in math and really struggled. And then at the last minute decided she wanted to be an accounting major. (laughs) And she had to, yeah, and then she had to push herself and take these remedial math classes to get her math up to par. And she did it because she was motivated. And that one story has been such an encouragement to me to realize that it's not all on me as a mom. You know, the kids have responsibilities, too, and there are things that they don't care about when they're certain ages, but when it does become important to them, they will put forth the effort and they will do what they need to do. Do you think that there are some unique ways that an only child can benefit from homeschooling? I do. I think that definitely only children are in the minority in America. You know, most people have multiple kids. They're only about 13% of women who have one child, and a lot of those actually go on to have another child later on. So there really aren't that many. And then, of course, there aren't that many families that homeschool. I mean, we're a minority of a minority. So we are unusual, but I think the advantage is really the same that an only child already gets. They get a double dose of the advantage. And the advantage of being an only child is lots of quality one-on-one time with adults, typically parents. And that interaction with adults has statistically proven uh, only children to have higher test scores, higher IQ. They're more motivated. They're more ambitious in life. And it's because of that adult interaction. So when you're homeschooling a child, you're getting even more of that parent-child interaction. Most people think that that somehow skews a child or messes them up. It doesn't, actually. For most only children, it is a pro. It's not a con. 
Yeah. What's the first thing you do if your child's struggling in school? You hire them a tutor, somebody to work one-on-one with them. It's got to be a benefit to have that one-to-one classroom, you know, teacher-student ratio there. And the other uh, real positive, I think, is, and I'm saying this as a mother only, uh, one who tries to look at the bright side of everything. I really enjoy having an only child because I can, she can be the center of my schedule. I don't have the struggle I see moms of two, three, four, and five kids with scheduling. You know, it's this child has dance over here and this child has soccer over here and that child has art and they're on the road constantly or they're having to sacrifice one child's lesson for another child's sports practice because there is a time conflict and, you know, you can only be one place at one time. I think that it's an advantage to me and to my daughter because really if she wants to do something, we don't really have to compromise for another child, we don't have to sacrifice for another child. And you might think, well, that's going to make your child selfish and spoiled. No, not necessarily. It just means that we're able to really engage her passions and she doesn't have to sacrifice those for the sake of another child's passion. Right. Yeah, I could definitely see the benefit to that for you and for her. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some challenges for an only child who's being homeschooled? Well, again, it's kind of like a double whammy of the the problem you already have as an only. And when only children are very young, they can be lonely and they want a playmate. They want a sibling and they can be bored because there's no one to entertain them. And when you're homeschooling, it's the same thing. It's just more so because your child isn't at school all day. They're with you all day. So mom has to become playmate a lot of times. Mom is always the, you know, opponent in the math game or the spelling beast. There is no one else to serve that role. So the children, they can struggle with loneliness and they can struggle with being bored. I think as a homeschool mom who is homeschooling only, you have to be extra proactive to meet the socialization needs of your child. And I want to add a caveat there that every child's socialization needs are different. Some children are introverts and they don't have as much of a need. They don't have as much of a need for interaction. I'm an introvert myself, and and I love being with people, but I definitely need my downtime. My daughter is an introvert. Again, she loves being with people, but she really likes to have her quiet time just by herself. Now, I think it's a real challenge if you're homeschooling an extrovert or an extreme extrovert, because Mm -hmm. you're really going to have to work extra hard to make those opportunities happen. It's not impossible. But you do have to be very proactive. I know that when my daughter was younger, I was the mom who always dropped my plans to accommodate the other mom. If someone invited us to do something, we would always drop our plans and say yes, because we knew that we were more flexible than they were, because typically these people have multiple children and their lives are a little bit busier than ours. So I think you have to be more flexible. I also felt like I could be the cool mom who could be flexible and I could be the cool mom who could volunteer to, you know, have everybody over at my place or, you know, make a pizza for the moment or something because I didn't have a house full of children. So I felt like I had a little more leeway. So while there are extra challenges, I think having a family, it's a little bit easier to face the challenges at the same time. So there's nothing that's insurmountable. It's just being deliberate and being focused. And I think talking to your child and saying, you know, at whatever age they are saying, you know, how are you feeling? Do you need more time with other kids? And if they say, yes, I'm lonely, then you really have to do something to meet that need. Right. Well, if you were talking to a mom who had a five or six year old and that was their only child and they were contemplating homeschooling that child, what kind of advice would you give them? I would say absolutely consider it. It's really no different than the choice for 
any other mom, the choice is the same. Whether you're going to homeschool or not, it's still a big time commitment for mom. It's a sacrifice for the family in many ways, but it also has a lot of benefits for flexibility, especially if you like to travel or if you know you like to just kind of be the master of your own time schedule. But it is a special circumstance, and you do have to be willing to listen to your child, pick up on those cues, and then do what it takes. So if it's enrolling your child in extra classes, if it's joining a play group, a co-op, you know, civic or church organizations or whatever, you just have to be willing to do that. And I think most parents are. I've really never known a parent of an only who, you know, refused to make social opportunities for their child. In fact, I think they're much more eager to do it than a mom of many because they know that it's a genuine need. Right. Well, you are, your daughter is going to be a junior this year. So you are kind of Mm -hmm. facing the end of the homeschooling road here. How are you making the transition? Because you have no other little ones coming up behind. How are you making the transition (laughs) from homeschooling mom to whatever your transition is going to (laughs) be? Right. Yeah, what is that? I'm not sure. I was wondering what you were going to say, because I'm kind of eager to know myself. I don't know. And it is definitely a new chapter. And I think about that sometimes. Sometimes I'm not, I don't dread it. I'm not fearful. I kind of look forward to it. I think that it's natural and it's healthy. I don't think I'm going to be one of those moms who's going to, you know, sit around and cry or feel lost. I have my own hobbies and interests and I do work at home. I have a job. I have relationships with people. And so life is going to go on. My life will change. But I don't see it as some kind of a negative in my life. I'm really enjoying seeing my teenager grow into a young woman who I'm extremely proud of. And I would never want to hold her back in any way by being sad about her growing up. I'm happy for her. I want her to grow up and leave home and experience all the adventures that she has ahead of her. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't know exactly what it will look like. And I'm okay with that because, again, I trust the process. It's going to be fine. Right. Yeah. Trust the process again. Well, how important do you think it is for moms to have interest outside of their interest of homeschooling? Because, you know. Oh, my goodness. Knowing what I know about your personality, that was probably your thing for many years. You know, you were probably really gung-ho and all into the homeschooling. And I think we can tell that from your blog in the past. So very consuming, you know, when you're when your child is and I can imagine if you know, if you have multiple children even more so, but yeah, it is all consuming and it should be, I think, in those early years, especially I think like third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, when you know, they're reading and you're really doing a lot of learning and you're having longer school days. It's not like kindergarten where you may just have school for an hour or so. You're having longer school days and you're getting more in debt and they're growing in independence. I think those years are extremely time intensive and a lot of fun. But I've always had outside interests and I've always had hobbies and I've always been a person. I've always been Jimmy in addition to being, you know, Emma's mom. So I think that it's really important because, you know, we see this all the time. We see women whose kids do grow up and move away and they're lost. They don't know what to do with themselves. I don't see myself being like that. I think I will know what to do with myself because I know who I am. So I definitely urge women to fuel themselves, fuel their passions, their spirit, their soul, their body. I've just recently coming up on a one-year exercise anniversary <laughs> where I've been exercising regularly for four to five days a week, and it has made a huge difference, and it's an investment in me. 
And I know there were years when my daughter was young and I felt like I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't even right. spare that time. And now I, I do, I can. And I encourage moms to make time for yourself. There are people out there that will say, especially in the Christian circles, that it's selfish for a mom to invest in herself or to want me time or downtime. And I think that's wrong. I think women must have that time and we deserve it. And I think that it's, if you're not getting it, if people aren't giving it to you and your family, you need to take it. You need to find it. You need to make it happen. It is critically important because you will burn out. When did you realize, when did you kind of get to a point where you realized that you were going to need to start outsourcing some of your daughter's education, whether that be to classes that she was taking or DVDs or online classes or something of that nature? Because I think that uh, talking to a, not only a mom of an only child, but a mom of a teen here, I think a lot of women who are like me, who, um, you know, my oldest is 10, and I'm kind of looking to the future and thinking, how am I going to do this when they're teenagers? Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about that transition a little bit? Definitely. From upper elementary, I started exposing Emma to other ways of learning because I never wanted to be her sole source of information. I wanted her to be exposed to lots of different ways of learning and different teachers because it's a life skill also to know how to interact with other people and how to, you know, uh, listen to authority that's not just your mother. So she's always been in art classes since she was a little bitty girl. She's always taken art of some kind, no matter where we lived in the world. And uh, still does to this day. And so we've always outsourced that, even though we also studied art at home. We did both. And sometimes I took art classes alongside her. We took drawing together at one point. We took Chinese watercolor and painting together. And it was really fun. We used, you know, math. We used teaching textbooks, math. And we started that probably in about fourth grade. And that was a great change of pace. We've done online classes with Kirkwick. Maybe those starting about maybe sixth or seventh grade. Mm -hmm. Although they do have classes for younger kids. And yes, definitely now we co-op setting where she actually drives out to a facility and sits in a class with, you know, maximum 14 kids. These aren't big classes. I think it's just super important for her to learn how to do that. She took chemistry this last year and aced it, made a great score. And, you know, who knew the artist would love chemistry? It was a huge shock to both of us. It was a great learning experience for her. And she would come home and say, Mom, you know... I figured out if you just do the assignments and tell the teacher when you don't understand, you're going to make a good grade. And I said, yes, the teacher wants you to succeed. If you will communicate with her and tell her, I don't understand, she'll sit with you after class and help you. And she said, you know, the kids that they don't care and they don't do their work and they don't ask questions. She said, mama, they're failing. And I said, well, of course they are. And so I think those kind of life lessons are real important for kids, you know, for college, if they're going to go on and do further learning. So outsourcing is just a gradual progression. I think you can start it in little bits, like the click.com has classes for elementary students that might just be a month long. You know, they meet once or twice a week for a month. And that's a great little short-term commitment just so your kids can have a different teacher, a different environment for learning. Oh, that's a great idea. Well, Jimmy, I have a pop quiz for you. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Pen or pencil? Pen. Talker or listener? Talker. Fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. Cat person or dog person? Cats all the way. Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? Oh, man. I can't choose. No. (laughs) No, both. 
<laughs> Ocean or mountain? Mountain. Essay or project? Essay. Jimmy, thank you so much for being here with me today. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Pam. Where can people find you online? They can find me at jimmyscollage.com or homeschoolandonlychild.com or at notebookingfairy.com. Well, I really do appreciate it. It was great to talk to you, Pam. Always have fun. And there you have it. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. If you would like to check out any of the resources that Jimmy and I chatted about, you can find them at edsnapshots.com forward slash 15. You'll find the show notes for the podcast there. And you'll also see a little spot at the bottom where we show you how to leave a rating or a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. For those of you who have already left a rating or review on iTunes, I just want to say thank you so very much. It really blesses us to have those because it encourages iTunes to share the podcast with more people. So we really appreciate it. Well, we will be back in a couple of weeks with another great interview. And until then, keep on homeschooling.